Hello everyone, this is your host Keith, and what I have now is what I call a Retro Extra. I want to feature a little introduction as I begin presenting 30-minute episodes of Lum and Abner. This was a series that ran weekly for approximately two seasons, and they went back to their standby 15-minute episode. So to help me out, I have acquired some copies of the Jot'em Down Journal. And so, without further ado, here is me reading some excerpts from some articles from those journals. Take it away, Keith. Come in. The October 1998 Jot'em Down Journal article on the 30-minute show continues with these words. It must have impressed someone talking about the 30-minute pilot episode because General Motors picked up the show for its first season during which Frigidaire refrigerators would be plugged into the format. Nothing was said about this impending change until the very end of the final Lemon Abner 15-minute episode on September 24th. In later years, when questioned about their switch from a daily to a weekly show, Locke and Goff had their own explanations of how this came about. In one 1972 interview, Tuffy told the story this way. At that time, everything was going to 30-minute shows. Well, here's an act, Lemon Abner, that's using 15 minutes of a 30-minute segment, and they don't have anything else to put in the other 15 minutes. Now, at the same time, we sold the CBS... CBS bought Amos and Andy and Jack Benny, Edgar Bergen, Burns and Allen, Bean Crosby. They bought all these shows and they bought Lum and Abner. We did not sell our rights. At most, we sold them a leasing agreement. They could do what they wanted with us and they wanted a 30-minute show. They preferred one 30-minute a week rather than to lose 15 minutes of prime time. While the sale to CBS probably did have something to do with it, Goff's position that the network was phasing out 15-minute shows seems to have been an error because once the Lemon Abner series was finished, CBS and Miles Laboratories immediately filled their time slot with another daily 15-minute show starring comedian Herb Shriver. It was a spectacular failure. CBS certainly wasted no time in promoting Lemon Abner's new program, being added to their nighttime lineup. A week before the new show's premiere, the network broadcast a special surprise party for Lemon Abner, hosted by Wendell Niles, who would be serving as announcer for the new Frigidaire broadcast. Oddly, Locke and Goff don't appear until the closing seconds of the show. Continuing on with excerpts from this Jot'em Down Journal article from October 1998, uh, Tim Hollis gives a synopsis of the pilot episode ending 
with the detail that even though uh, Chet and Tuffy only spoke a few lines of dialogue that Lum got the bulk of that. And he continues on with this. There is probably a good reason that Chet got to do most of the talking on this inaugural broadcast. According to most who are working with them at the time, the idea of switching to a weekly half-hour was not Tuffy's idea, but Chet's. Tuffy frankly admitted that when it came to the 30-minute show, he hated every minute of it. And in his later years, even Chet was forced to agree that the show was not as good as it had been during the 15-minute days. But, tellingly, he always found a way to defend it, as well as he did in this bit of trivia. Although it was a different conception of Lemon Abner, the 30-minute series was still a successful series. According to the Laugh Meter, we were number one on many, many occasions, never less than third. And that's against Bob Hope and Jack Benny and all the top shows of the time. They had a rating every week, which you would eagerly look at. It usually came out on Monday. They would time how many minutes of laughs there was in the show, and many times we would have to cut the show because while we were on the air because of laughs. Fifty years after the fact, it would be beside the point to argue whether that much baffle laughter was as appropriate to Lemon Abner as it was to shows like Hope and Benny's. In fact, once the new programs began, writer Roz Rogers admitted that they began to get mail from listeners asking, who were all those people laughing in the Jot 'em Down store? So well-polished was the setting of the 15-minute days that people had difficulty in transferring that image to this new weekly sitcom. And to be frank, the 30-minute show did take many liberties with the picture of Pine Ridge that had been so carefully crafted for 17 years. At this point, the article turns to begin the synopses of each of the existing regular episodes of this ill-fated series, trying to be fair as to what is good and what is not so good about each. Readers are encouraged to hear these shows for themselves and form their own opinions, which we will share in future issues. And just a note, uh, of course, the Jot 'em Down Journal is no longer in print, although I am sure if you wanted to uh, leave your comments and thoughts on these 30-minute shows, hey, you could leave comments on my uh, show notes. But check out Facebook and look for the Lemon Abner Radio Show group, and uh, there will be a lot of fans of Lemon Abner there who would be... Uh, willing to answer questions or comment on your ideas uh, and just talk about uh, their old friends down in Pine Ridge. So check it out. And now for a word about the episode for today. 
directly from the October 1990 issue of the Jot and Don Journal. Chief author and editor, Executive Secretary Tim Hollis, writes synopses of the half-hour episodes of Lemon Abner. And the October 31, 1948 show, he mentions that the calendar may have said it was Halloween, but this week's installment has nothing to do with trick-or-treat. Lum is suffering from insomnia. So bad I can't hardly sleep, he says. Meanwhile, Squire Skimp is conferring with a cohort, Duke, who has a new scheme up his sleeve. Duke is played by the multi-voiced actor Frank Graham, who had logged countless performances in the Lemon Abner shows since 1942. He was Diogenes Smith, B.J. Webster, Gregory W.W. Dobbs, Professor Sloan, and scores of one-shot characters as well. Uh, Duke explains to Squire that he has a scam where he convinces a gullible student that he has artistic talent and makes masterpieces. I haven't got a clue how that <laughs> affects his insomnia. But uh, Lum becomes an art student and he makes some creative paintings. And in the end, uh, with the help of Ben Weathers and a friend who claims to be a psychiatrist, it all works out in the end. So enjoy the show. All right. And before we do get on to the show, in case I haven't already said so, Feel free to send me feedback on these shows. You can also look up the Lum and Abner Radio fan group that is on Facebook, where you'll find an active group of Lum and Abner fans who would also probably love to hear your comments about these shows. So thanks, and now for the show. My granny's Abner, I believe that's our ring. Ah. Frigidaire presents the new Lum and Abner show. Tonight, Frigidaire, a division of General Motors, brings you a brand new kind of visit with those old characters down in Pine Ridge. Featuring Clarence Hartzell as Ben Withers, the music of Felix Mills, and starring your old favorites, Lum and Abner. America's number one refrigerator is Frigidaire. Yes, any way you look at it, America's number one refrigerator is Frigidaire. Number one in popularity. For more Frigidaire refrigerators serve in more American homes than any other make. Number one in thrilling new advantages, as you can see for yourself at any Frigidaire dealers. And number one in dependability. For Frigidaire refrigerators are made only by General Motors. And this association of experience with experience, of skill with skill is your guarantee of lasting satisfaction. So when it comes to a new refrigerator for your home, remember this. 
the first name you think of is the right one to buy. Frigidaire, America's number one refrigerator. As we look in on the little community of Pine Ridge today, we find the old fellows in their jot down store, and Abner is reading a newspaper editorial. Listen. Freedom demands that each of us... Abner, don't read out loud. ...carries out his duties as a citizen. Abner. ...to vote in an informed way so that the best man is placed in office. That's... Uh, <laughs> ever good citizen ought to get out and vote Tuesday. But don't read no more to me. I'm war to a frazzle now. War to a frazzle. <laughs> what are you so frazzled about? Abner, I think I'm losing my mind. Oh. I've got the insomnia so bad I can't hardly sleep. <laughs> well, that's the worst kind. <laughs> I've tried everything, counting sheep and all that junk. Yeah, well, I've tried that counting sheep too, but for me it just ain't no use at all. I keep falling asleep. <laughs> Maybe I ought to go see a psychiatrist. See a what? You know, a fellow you go to when there's something wrong with your head. Oh. He tells if your belfry's got bats in it or not. <laughs> Only trouble is, he might charge me as much as $100. Well, all I've got to say is anybody that's insane enough to pay $100 to find out if he's crazy is nuts. <laughs> well, I, I just got to do something, though. I think I'll go over to Squire Skimp's office and ask him if he knows the psychiatrist. Dog Islam, if you ain't learned to stay away from that crook yet, you are losing your mind. You better get over there right away. Uh, well, now, uh, tell me just how this racket of yours works, Duke. Well, you see, Squire, I pose as an art teacher. Uh, you find me a pupil. I convince him he's painted a masterpiece of surrealism, which I can sell for him for several thousand dollars in Paris. But... But you need around 1500 to make the trip because you're just a poor art teacher. Poor but honest. <laughs> well, it sounds beautiful, but there's no one in Pine Ridge crazy enough to... Now, wait just a minute. There might be one man, and here he comes right now. Law matters. Uh, hurry up, Duke. Uh, hide behind those portiers there and leave the rest to me. Well, hello, Long. Yeah, howdy, Squire. Uh, Squire, do you know any good psychiatrist? My head ain't feeling its level best. Oh, your head looks as level as it ever did, Long. <laughs> How's that? Uh, psychiatrist, huh? Uh, well, Long, it uh, just so happens that I've dabbled a bit in that field myself. Uh, tell you, uh, lie down on the sofa there and tell me all about your boyhood. Well, it ain't my boyhood I'm worried about. I, I, I'm way past that. <laughs> Well, uh, Lom, see, we have to delve into your past. Now, uh, think back and see if you can recall any frustrating problems that you experienced when you went through adolescence. Well, if I ever went through there, it must have been on the train, because I don't... <laughs> uh, Lom, I said adolescence. Uh, that's uh, sometimes referred to as the awkward age. Oh, I see. It's a period when you're immature mentally and clumsy physically. Uh, you went into it when you were about, oh, uh... Nine or ten. Yeah, and when do I come out of it? It shouldn't be long now. <laughs> well, Squire, my main trouble seems... Hey, that portier. Look, it's moving. 
Oh, no, it isn't. <laughs> no, Lum. That's just a hallucination. A very common symptom in cases like yours. But I've seen it, like somebody was standing behind it. Oh, no, no. Well, I can prove you're wrong. Is there anybody behind that portier? No. Well, see there, Lump? I could have sworn there was somebody back there. I must be worse off than I figured. Oh, yes, you're in bad shape, Lum. It looks to me like uh, schizophrenic uh, paranoia. Paranoia? Uh, noia. Got it double, huh? Well, yes. You might have a triple noia, Lum. I don't know. Any, is there any hope for me at all, Squire? Well, there's uh, one possible thing that you might do, Lum, and that is uh, taking up a hobby or something that'll give your pent-up emotions a release. Uh, something like, say, uh, well, uh, surrealist painting. Surrealist painting? Well, yes, uh, Lum, you know that uh, junk with the bent watches and all that, you know. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw them. Well, did the fellers that painted them pictures get well? No. <laughs> But they got rich enough so that nobody could tell the difference, Lum. <laughs> now, uh, Lum, what you're going to have to do is get a surrealist art teacher. Now, I believe there's a good one named uh, Rembrandt Van Duke. Well, how in the world would I ever get it get to him? Uh, don't worry, Lum. Just sit tight. He'll get to you. But good. It ain't no use, Rembrandt. I can't paint. Oh, but you can. You can. No, I reckon I'm just too old. Too old? Why, Lum, take some of the greatest names in the art racket. Er, uh, professions. Uh, Michelangelo, Raphael, Da Vinci, Ruben. Why, if they were alive today, they'd all be over 300. Well, I do know. Yes. Well, you can see that you're a comparatively young man. Yeah. Well, maybe that's my trouble. I'm too young. I know something's wrong, because no matter what I paint, it comes out looking like something else, and I can't even tell what that something else is. Well, that's the basic principle of surrealism. Now, you keep that up, and I'll be back tomorrow to give you another lesson. Au revoir, bon ami. Yeah, bon ami to you, too. Well, howdy do, sir. Hey, Lom, who was that seedy-looking critter just about knocked me down there? That seedy-looking critter is my art teacher. Art teacher? I'm taking up painting, Abner. Here's a couple of my pictures right here. How do you like this one? Huh. I can't tell. Somebody spilled paint all over. <laughs> Abner, that's the picture you're looking at. Oh. Lom, what are you painting these idiotic pictures for? I have to. Why? To keep them going crazy. Lom, you waited too long. No, Squire Skimp psycho-eulogized me, and he said I got pinned-up emotions and I have to release them. Yeah. If you keep this up, they're going to pin you up and never release you. Listen, Abner. Uh-oh, there comes Ben Withers. In my condition, I couldn't stand to listen to him. I I'm going to sneak out the back way. Yeah, all right, all right. Hello, Abner. Hi, Dogus Ben. Come on in here. We've got to do something about Lom. He's losing his mind. Why? <laughs> You don't know a real good uh, psychiatrist he could go to, do you? Well, now, I could jump on the long-distance phone and call Orrin J. Watford of Mount Ivy. <laughs> Is he a psychiatrist? Not that I know of. <laughs> uh, Orrin J. Watford runs the Ace High Snooker Palace. Well, what do you want to call him for? He does. <laughs> Orrin J. Watford is the smartest man in Mount Ivy. 
If anybody knows a psychiatrist, Orrin will. Well, hurry up and get hold of him, then. Poor old Lum thinks he's a painter now. Hello, Mamie. Put me through to the Ace High Snooker Palace in Mount Eighty. Yes, I'll wait. Tell her to hurry up, Ben. She's working on the connection right now. Hello, Orrin? Guess who this is? <laughs> <laughs> No, don't make him guess who it is, man. <laughs> this is it. He thinks I'm Benjamin Withers. <laughs> well, you are. Well, sure, what's the matter with me? <laughs> I, I was thinking I was calling Orrin J. Watford. Well, you are. Wait a minute, I'll settle this. Hello, who is this? Charlie Grossbeak. What become of Orrin? <laughs> oh, I see, Charlie. Yes, I'll wait. There's an attractive girl going by the pool hall. Warren <laughs> will be back in just a minute. Well, hurry up and ask him about that psychiatry. Hello, Warren. <laughs> well, those veils can fool you. How is your ass now? <laughs> Van, hurry up. Say, Orrin, I've got a man over here who needs a little psychiatric work. Do you know anybody connected with that game? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which institution? Well, just a minute. Orrin knows a fellow who's been studying psychiatry for 30 years. Well, get him. Hello, Orrin. Could he get away long enough to come over to Pine Ridge? Fine. Goodbye, Orrin. The man's name is Granville D. Hudson. Well. And he'll be here on the next Greyhound. Is he coming by dog sled? Why? <laughs> hmm. I wonder if I were to use watercolors to paint that river there. Well, howdy, Mr. Niles. How's the Frigidaire representing? Oh, pretty good, Lun. Say, what is that you're doing? Oh, uh, I was trying my hand at a bit of art. Modern stuff, you know. But I don't seem to get the hang of these, er, uh, this surrealism. Surrealism? Yeah. Well, as I understand it, Lum, you don't try to paint a real-life picture of something, just an impression of it. Ah. Uh, well, here, I'll show you. I'm no artist, but, uh... You got another piece of paper? Let's see. I already have Oh, well, uh, never mind. Uh, I'll use the front of this Frigidaire refrigerator and these crayons here. Wait a minute. You going to write on that door? Oh, sure. Crayons won't hurt it. It's porcelain finished. It'll uh, wipe right off with a damp cloth. See? Well, I'll be dead, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> sure does. now uh, let's see if I can capture the inner meaning of this refrigerator. Meaning what? Well, it's uh, really big on the inside. Roomy as a house, practically. So uh, here's a picture of a house. Hmm. Now, it's uh, small on the outside, on account of Frigidaire's special design. More storage space in the same kitchen space. So, uh, over here, we'll draw a shoehorn. Excuse me, Mr. Now. Uh, meaning that even in small kitchens where things are a tight fit, you can slip in a big-capacity Frigidaire refrigerator. And here's a pair of ice skates to represent all the ice cubes that you get so slick and quick with a Frigidaire quick cube trays. And, uh... Well, what's that you're drawing? Well, that, uh, that's a child's piggy bank. For thrift, you know. Because every Frigidaire refrigerator is powered by the meter miser, the simplest cold maker ever built. So powerful, it provides all the cold anyone needs. 
Yet so simple, it uses only a trickle of current. And only Frigidaire has the meter miser. Well, I'm sort of beginning to understand. Well, hello, Ms. Bates. Something for you? I was just standing here admiring. It's beautiful. Such line. Such design. Oh, it's just a little sketch. Uh, do you really like it? What sketch? I mean that Frigidaire refrigerator you're scribbling on. It's beautiful. <laughs> For the land sakes, Lom, what have you got on there? Well, if you wasn't such a country, Jake, you could see. It's a smock and a beret. <laughs> Looks more like a night shirt and a first baseman's mitt. You mind now, there comes my art teacher, Rembrandt Van Duke. Now, I don't want you around because you don't understand modern art. Who does? Well, well, well. How's my little student coming today? Well, not so good, Rembrandt. I can't get this surrealism. I'm trying to paint a boat, but no matter what I do to it, it still looks like a boat. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, Lum, you have missed the boat. Now, here's another, and I, I call it marbles in action. But uh, marbles don't look like nothing at all. Well, yes, Lum, you have lost your marbles. <laughs> don't pay no attention to him, Rembrandt. He's got a very low type of ignorance. My ignorance is just as high as anybody. Abner, will you get out of here? Go on back in the feed room. All right, I'm getting, I'm getting. Granny, how can I be artistical cultured with a backwoodsy critter like him around? Now, what was we saying? Well, Lemo boy, I think you're doing remarkably well. It's very obvious that you have a hidden talent. Do I really? Yes. I've never seen anyone who could hide it so well. <laughs> I bet you're just saying that. No, no, it's true. It's true. Your paintings have a, a certain spark. They have a certain uh, je ne sais quoi. Oh, well, I can erase that. <laughs> One glance, and it's easy to see that you have a natural bent. Oh, this ain't natural. I, I just got a crick in my bag. <laughs> well, no wonder, bending over the counter like that to do your painting. However, there's a quick remedy for that. Have you, um, have you ever tried an easel? No, I generally use liniment. <laughs> An easel, old boy, is a three-legged frame to set your painting on. Oh, well, I'll get me one. Now, what do you think of this painting? I call it Sunrise in the Morning. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, might be a little, uh, conventional. Well, could make it Sunrise in the Evening. <laughs> well, yes, yes. You see, uh, in Surrealism, we try to break away from the old forms. Uh, we want to avoid things like, uh, well, like Whistler's mother. Well, what's the matter with old lady Whistler? <laughs> Reverence, please. Surely you're familiar with the famous Whistler. Well, I don't know him personal, but I never miss one of his radio programs. <laughs> His mother looks like she enjoys it, too. Well, um, uh, you keep on painting. I'll be back after a while and give you the works. No, I mean, uh, look over your works. Uh, see you later. Yeah, so long, Rembrandt. Long. Can I come out of the feed room now? Yeah, I guess so, Abner. Come here a minute. I want to show you one of my pictures. Do I have to look at it? Rembrandt paid me an awful nice compliment on it. He said it was very conventional. Well, hold it up. What is that, a fried egg? No, it's a sunrise. Sunrise? That's the first thing i ever seen with two strips of bacon on it. That ain't bacon, them sunbeams. Oh. Well, wait a minute, Lum. Turn it upside down and, and look at it now. 
Our granny, that does look like a fried egg, don't it? <laughs> Yeah, I believe I'll just leave it upside down and give it a new name. A fried egg by Lom Edwards. Or would it be better to say created by Lom Edwards? Better make it laid by Lom Edwards. Go ahead, make fun of me. But Rembrandt said I'd be able to do a lot better after I get me a nice new easel. Yeah, well, if that new easel. What's the startling about that? Oh, Nothing. I expect anything in your condition, I reckon. But just what do you want one furlong? Why, to help me paint. Now, there's something I'd love to see. Well, what it'll do is improve my painting. I don't doubt that at all, Lon. But how did you hold a brush in his jaws or paws? Who are you talking about? This weasel you're going to get. Oh, well, now, wait a minute. Maybe he uses his tail for a brush. Henry, you got the wrong idea. I ain't going to have no weasel stand up beside me and help me paint pictures. Oh, change your mind, huh? No. Well, I don't blame you, Lum. If his pictures come out better than yours, it might give you an inferiority complex. <laughs> and they would. Abner, what I'm talking about is a three-legged thing. Oh, that's a shame. Well, maybe you better hire him after all, Lum. He more than likely needs the work. Look, Abner, this thing don't paint pictures. It holds them while I paint them. Donkey, that's even a better trick. Especially with just three legs. I don't see how he does it. Abner, will you listen to me for just half a second? This picture holder I'm getting has wooden legs. No. All three of them? Oh, for pity. There's a talentist one little oh, weasel. Oh, shut up, Say, Abner, I... Oh, excuse me, Lum. I didn't know you were getting ready for bed. I ain't getting ready for bed. This is my painting smock. Fine. And here's my best picture, Ben. Oh, yes. yes. Very good likeness of you, Lum. That is a fried egg. Oh, you're just self-conscious. Huh? I wouldn't worry, though. Looks like everything. Abner, could I see you outside alone? Yeah, sure, sure. Come along, Ben. Uh, be back in a minute, Long. Yeah, well, don't hurry on my account. That fellow from Mount Ida's out here wants you to meet him. Oh, oh, good. Mr. Peabody, shake hands with Granville D. Hodson. How do you do, sir? Well, howdy, Mr. Hodson. Dogas, I'm glad you're here. That lum is getting loonier every day. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, now he thinks he's going to get a weasel to help him with his painting. <laughs> oh, my. A three-legged weasel. Oh, dear me. A three-wooden-legged weasel. <laughs> and he's supposed to hold a picture for lum while he paints it. I don't think he can do it. Well, Mr. Hodson, what do you... Uh, may I call you, Doctor? Oh, if you care to. <clears throat> uh, doctor, what do you suggest we do now? Well, I suggest that we go to eat something, and then we'll return and I'll have a talk with this chap. Well, let's go. If we don't hurry, that poor lum's going to lose his spokes and everything else. <laughs> Come on, Squire, let's go inside the store. 
Now, I'll start the pitch on the old boy, and you back me up. Yes, well, don't worry. I know what to do. Well, Lum, old man. Still at it, I see. Yeah, still at it, Rembrandt, but I'm feared I'm kind of slowing down. I don't believe I've painted more than five or six pictures in the last hour. Well, <laughs> you know, a man can't expect to turn out over 20 or 30 paintings a day. Uh, at least not the first year. <laughs> Natural. Yes. However, with your talent, you... Wait. Stand back. Let me see that picture you're working on. What's wrong with it? Wrong? Great Scott, man. Don't you realize you, you've done it? You've painted a masterpiece. Well, good for me. But this is amazing. Lum, if I didn't know better, I would say you were a genius. Oh, I ain't that good. Hardly. <laughs> but you are. Oh, no, I ain't. But you are. Well, maybe I am. <laughs> what I know about art... Just look at this choir. My pupil has created a masterpiece. Why, that's marvelous, Lum. Why, I never dreamed you had such talent. Uh, what is the name of your masterpiece? Bananas in Repose. <laughs> a beautiful title, Lum. Beautiful. Someday, maybe you'll live to see those bananas hanging in the Paris Art Museum. Ah, uh, Yes. Yes, if I could only get this picture to the Paris Art Museum, I'm sure I could sell it for $10,000. $10,000? Why, the paper and paints together wouldn't come to over 30 cents. <laughs> but, alas and alack, I am not but a poor but honest art teacher. Well, uh, Rembrandt, uh, how much do you think it cost Lum to send you to Paris with the picture? Well, I could scrape through with $1,500. $1,500? Granny. Well, Lum, you got to remember, it's a long boat trip to Paris, you know. Yeah, but I ain't got but $900. Oh, 900 Well, uh, I could take a shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can do it for that, I grant you it's a deal. I'll write you out a check right now. Here, just, just make, make it, it out, out to me. me. Granny's, I'm so nervous, I can't hardly half right. Hey, come on in, Doc. That's him right there. Oh, yes, yes. Know the type well. Say, Alarm. Don't bother me, Abner. I'm sending Rembrandt to Paris. Do you know Rembrandt personally? Oh, yeah. We're good friends. Very interesting. We had a chap in the uh, institution who ran around with Mona Lisa. <laughs> it must have been nice. Well, here you are, Rembrandt. I sure hope you can sell that masterpiece for me after you get over there. Hey, wait a minute, Lom. What are you doing there? Abner, I told you I'd make good, and I grannies I have. See this picture here? Rembrandt says it's a masterpiece. Ha! Well, I don't... He's right. Ah. Uh. Rembrandt says I'm a genius. Genius? Why, that's a rank understatement. Uh, what's that? What's that? Rembrandt says he might be able to get $10,000 for that picture. Ten? My dear fellow, it's worth three times that. You have the most natural, primitive talent I've ever seen. There was a chap in the uh, institution who painted similar pictures, but nothing compared to this. Granny's, if it's that good, maybe I ought to fix it up and put in a whole dozen bananas. <laughs> for that kind of money, I'd throw in the whole stall. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. All right, Lom, I wonder if you'd excuse me a minute. I want to discuss a personal matter with Rembrandt outside. Sure, go ahead. Here, uh, come along, Rembrandt. Well, I've never seen such original subjects, such starting color schemes. Here, here uh, Duke, we better make a fast switch here. It looks like we've stumbled into a little gold mine, judging from what the old gent said about Lum. Yes, yes, who is that old duck? Well, I don't know, but you heard him mention the institution. Yeah. What institution is that? Why, the art institution, you do. Oh, oh. Now, look, uh, we've got to get an option on all of Lum's paintings, no matter what it costs. Uh, how much money have you got? 
couple of hundred bucks is all. Well, I can scrape up around 2000 Well, come on, let's get back in there before somebody else plucks our golden goose. Uh, here's another one of my masterpieces. I call it lamb chops with two pair of pants. <laughs> Doggy, that looks good enough to wear. Who did that, and you or the weasel? Lum, I've got bad news. I just found out that the bottom has dropped out of the Paris art market. However, I think I can sell a few of your pictures in this country. So, um, I'd like to buy an option on all your paintings for, uh... Ooh, thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. Not half enough. Two thousand. Uh, yes, and you can throw in that $900 check along there, too. There's $2,900 right there. Well, Grannies, that sounds good to me. I'll take it. Well, good. I'll make out a check. Uh, Rembrandt, you gather up the loot or the picture there. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Be extra careful with that banana one there. Yeah, a couple of them bananas look a little overripe. <laughs> they do not. Well, there you are, Lum, and congratulations. Uh, come along, Rembrandt. Well, keep up the good work, Lum, old man. <laughs> Grannies, I will. I'm going to take this money and buy gallons and gallons of paint and learn to paint with both hands. <laughs> this is the greatest thing I've ever run into. Yeah. Uh, Dogus, I guess you ain't so crazy after all. Well, it looks like we won't need you, Doc. Oh, by the way, mister, I never did catch your name, but I sure appreciate what you've done for me today. Oh, think nothing of it. I could tell the minute I laid eyes on that our teacher that he was a fake. He's not Rembrandt. How do you know? Because I am. There he is right there, Doctor. Shall I slap the handcuffs on him? Oh, no. No, no. He's not violent. Well, you better come on back to the institution, Michelangelo. Mona Lisa's been looking all over for you. Oh, the poor dear... Toodaloo! Give my best to the weasel. Hey, wait a minute, Ben. I thought you said that feller studied psychiatry for 30 years. Well, I, I, I find I got that a little wrong, Abner. That seems that psychiatrists have been studying him for 30 years. in just a moment. But first, here's an important question. Would you like to own the only automatic washer with live water action that washes and rinses clothes clean with pulsating currents of water? Then visit your Frigidaire dealer and see the wonderful Frigidaire automatic washer with exclusive live water action and rapid dry spin. It's completely automatic. Bucket of lard. Yes, Mom, what else? Oh, just a minute. Hold the phone. Mom. Yeah? Uh, Mrs. Bates wants some bananas. Would you mind painting her up a half a dozen? <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> the new Lemon Avenue show is brought to you each week by the Fidget Air Division of General Motors. Manufacturers of the complete line of home appliances, air conditioners, and refrigeration equipment for American business. The script is written by Roz Rogers and Betty Boy. With music by Felix Mills. Dawn to next Sunday night, same time, same station. This is Wendell Niles saying goodnight for Frigidaire, America's number one refrigerator. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting.